Hey there, normies. It's Joe. Unfortunately, I'm not going to make it on tonight's episode. I got lost in a sandstorm and swallowed up by one of them Beetlejuice sandworms, so I'm not going to be able to talk all about Dune. If I'm being honest, I thought the episode was on Tremors, so I watched all the wrong movies, and all I would really have to contribute with the conversation anyway is that uh, Kevin Bacon was in X-Men First Class with Nicholas Holt, who was in X-Men Apocalypse with Oscar Isaac, or that Zendaya was in Spider-Man No Way Home with Doctor Strange, played by Benedict Cumberbatch, who was in Black Mass with Kevin Bacon, or that Kevin Bacon was in Crazy Stupid Love with Steve Carell, who was in Beautiful Boy with Timothy Chalamet. Uh, The only anecdote I have about the real Dune is that there are some NFT bros who think that they acquired the rights to Dune because they bought a book for $3 million that was full of story art from an unproduced movie because Dune is back, it's bigger than ever, and the one and only number one Dune head himself, Emperor Jacob, is going to take you through Dune from niche to normie on tonight's episode of Normies Like Us. So you enjoy it. And I know I will too. Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it's hip to be square. I must not fear. Fear is the podcast killer. The little death that brings total obliteration. And normies, clear your minds. Welcome to Arrakis, the desert planet. It's Dune on Normies Like Us. The planet is Arrakis. Let us give, not a gift. It must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. This is part of the weeding way. Our warriors couldn't free Arrakis from the Harkonnens. The podcast must flow. And so must the spice, because you heard it up top. It's a very special episode as we go to a one-of-a-kind planet, Arrakis, also known as Dune, on Normies Like Us, with your hosts, Colin Idaho. This would be Mike Melange. <laughs> and this is Jacob Atreides, but you may call me Kuab Deeb. Kuab Deeb. Wow. I am the Quizass Hadarach. <laughs> And many more and other uh, such words, incredible yes. proper nouns coming from uh, obviously Frank Herbert's uh, legendary sci-fi novel Dune. If you're watching, Jacob has it in the background, and That's we maybe right. uh, you know we were in the, we were in Middle Earth. You know we weren't on Arrakis. We were at Middle Earth, and you know maybe feels like it came and went, but this is still a big deal. Dune's mm. back, and you know even some news we'll get into, but Mike, we're finally getting around to it. You're so right. The fantasy that birthed all fantasy. Are we here with the sci-fi that birthed all sci-fi? You know what? That's you could a, argue. Yeah, I think definitely yeah, you, we'll have more info uh, on that. Many people have called Dune the Lord of the Rings of sci-fi. So mm. if you believe that, then yes. Yeah. And um, I guess just quick uh, background on the episode. We're going to be kind of talking about Dune... And all of its iterations, let's say, you know, we have a little bit on the book, you know, the different attempts to make it into a movie. And then the two attempts that did happen, David Lynch, and then pronounce his name, Jacob, you're good with these things. 
Denis Villeneuve. That's right. That 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 Dune name. Yeah, Denis Villeneuve. Um, Mike his version. Denis Villeneuve is the mind killer. You have Podcast to pronounce killer. his name. Go forward. Denis Villeneuve. Uh, <laughs> yes, he's French Canadian in the box. Um, so right. we're gonna kind of go over all that. The and, yeah, the legacy of of Dune. Um, and honestly, that's right. I had never seen anything Dune related. I never read the book until the. Denny Villeneuve version. <laughs> Perfect. I'll get it at some point. Anyway, yeah, so that was wild, my introduction. Mike. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I would have thought that this would have been a big one for you. This was one of those things where, like, my dad loved David Lynch as a young man. He's one of my fucking favorite filmmakers. We'll get to my opinions on the movie. But just going <laughs> through as a kid, going like, you know, at 10 years old, his DVD rack, what's Blue Velvet? Can we watch Blue Velvet? No. What's Mulholland Drive? Can we watch Mulholland Drive? No. What's Dune? Oh, Dune! Yeah. Runs Eraser off head. to the back of the room, pulls out that big tome of a book. Doom, we can watch. So it's uh, it's something that's always been in my life. Nice, nice. Wow. And then, Jacob, you've been kind of leading the charge as yeah, a quiz outside wanted Iraq. To, uh, this, you've uh, wanted this. Yeah, whole thing. I've wanted to talk about Dune for a while now. I mean, uh, you know, even when they announced that Denis Villeneuve would be making uh Dune. I was super psyched, and when they, you know, announced the cast and all that, I was like, "Oh man, this is gonna be great!" They're nailing the cast, so I was very excited for it to come out. And it was a big hit. You know, it wasn't, you know, Spider-Man big, but uh, it was probably one of the ten biggest movies this year. So in terms mm-hmm. of box office, uh, but the story behind, you know, Dune was long considered to be unfilmable, and there was many, you know, like we mentioned, failed projects, and one that was completed but also failed. Uh, <laughs> so it's a yes. fascinating story just of it trying to get made over the years as well and so i've been wanting to talk about the whole franchise for a long time and i'm very excited to talk about it gotcha and have you read the entire book before or i know you're going through it right now yes i i read it uh when i was much younger mm-hmm. uh probably in my early teens and didn't 100 percent understand everything just because it's a very uh you know, it's a very dense book, but mm, yeah. uh, I love the world, and I even read uh, some of its sequels and other books. So basically, Dune was written by Frank Herbert, 1965. He also wrote like five more books in the series over the years, uh, and then when he died in 1986, his son took over with uh, Kevin J. Will- uh, Kevin J. Williamson. I think his name is who you might know from he's wrote a lot of star wars extended universe oh, wow. novels and, and such like that so uh they kind of took that over and i've read some of those prequels uh such as the butlerian jihad in case you're curious which is all about the ai uprising that happens ten thousands of years earlier that's why there's wow. no computers in dune because they're outlawed because of that and that's why they have oh. mentats which are like <laughs> human computers so right there's a little fun fact for you. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, so I'm, I'm a bit of a dune head. Yeah, I know you've been pushing for this for a long time. And uh, as you mentioned, it's it's a dense kind of thing and not just the book, but kind of its history, its legacy. It's 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 uh it needs to be analyzed. And I think it's time that we put our mentat heads together and fucking dive in to the desert planet rackets and start talking dune. And normies like us. The spice exists on only one planet in the entire universe. A desolate, dry planet with vast deserts. Hidden away within the rocks of these deserts are a people known as the Fremen, who have long held a prophecy that a man would come, a messiah, 
who would lead them to true freedom. The planet is Arrakis, also known as Dune. We're back. We're talking Dune, not just the planet, but of course the series itself and the uh, phenomenon that it sort of spawned. What's uh, what's up with Dune? Yeah, buddy. Well, you know, just to give a brief history of the many attempts to make a movie out of Dune. So, like I mentioned, you know, it was written in 1965. Basically, right after that, starting in the early 70s, people were wanting to make it into a movie. And the first uh, failed uh, project was by this guy named Alejandro Jodorowsky, who was kind of like this surrealist art uh, <coughs> filmmaker who his best known movie is The Holy Mountain, which is this like crazy psychedelic movie from the 70s, uh, which was uh, financed by John Lennon and Yoko Ono and all oh, that. Wow. So <laughs> super crazy, super like surreal and, and drug influence. Very for 70s, sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he had this all-star team of like different designers and special effects people that he was gathering, including H.R. Giger, uh, oh, wow. our boy, famous for Alien, obviously, as well as Dan O'Bannon, uh, who uh, you know co-wrote or wrote uh, a- Alien. It was also a very uh, legendary like special effects guy, mm. uh, and you know several others. So he had this whole all-star team that would all go on to do other things like Alien, Star Wars. All that stuff. Highly influential um, in genre stuff. Mm, I right. wonder where they got all those ideas, yeah. Mike. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder where they got them. It's, and he's kind of a madman, Yodorowsky. So he had this idea. He made this whole pitch book with uh, um, you know, pictures of everything, uh, how he wanted everything to look, costumes and all that. Uh, but it kind of fell apart because he decided he wanted to make a 14-hour long movie. <laughs> And the studio was like, uh, can you make like a two hour movie? He was like, no, it's got to be at least 10 plus hours. Like, I can't tell this story in less than 10 hours. He was right. They're like, well, yeah, well, yeah cause, you know, if it, if it was today, they'd been like, yeah, we'll give you seven yeah, episodes. We'll give you or whatever. A trilogy. Max. Yeah. You're yeah. more than welcome. Yeah. Uh, but it did fall apart. And he had all these ideas. Like he wanted Salvador Dali to play the emperor, the Padishah emperor, Shaddam oh, wow. the fourth. Uh, he wanted Orson Welles to play Baron Harkonnen. So it would just been crazy. Oh. He wanted Mick Jagger to play Fade Ratha. So wow. all that these different, good, it would have been insane, but, uh, it never got made. Uh, and they actually made a documentary about how it never got made called Yodorowsky's Dune, which I didn't get to see. I was going to watch it oh. this weekend, but I ran out of time. Uh, it's basically just this guy explaining this whole crazy idea that he had for a movie that never got made. Uh, but he kind of th- claims a lot, he takes a lot of credit for things that happen afterwards, like Alien. He's like, you know, I knew who H.R. Giger was way before anyone else. And yeah, so it's interesting, but uh, that never got made. By the way, the NFT thing that Joe mentioned at the top, if you heard his little uh, intro, yes. that's super interesting as well. So these NFT crypto bros banded together. They bought the original pitch book for Yodorowsky's Dune for like $2.6 million, which was a hundred times the asking price. Cause it was going for like $26,000. They bought it for 2.6 million. What? And they said their plan is to adapt it into an original animated uh, series and sell it to a streaming device. So basically oh, cool. 
they mistakenly believed that buying this book gave them the rights to the IP of Dune, right. which of course it does not. So, and <laughs> really crazy. Oh no! Internet <laughs> NFT esque fashion. Yes, you don't actually that they own <laughs> anything by purchasing that. Congratulations. Fascinating. And that well, just Jacob, happened. If I like, paid you $2.6 million for that book next to you, I own Dune, right? <laughs> that's right. I own this copy yes, of Dune, that's and it. I'm going to make it into a movie because I own the copyright. Hey, that's what is not a how gift, it works. not a gift. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, so that's hilarious. They also think that they should they want to burn the book because it, then it'll only uh, exist on the blockchain in the form of an oh. NFT, and that would make it more valuable to them. No, so the whole please. thing is just wow. insane. We're going to start uh, burning every physical copy of Dune, and then just the NFT will exist. That's yeah, a dark timeline. So really dark timeline that we live in, mm-hmm. uh, but hilarious uh, little side story to the whole Yodorowsky's Dune thing. Scary. Wow, okay. Um, so anyway, after all that failed... Uh, for a while, Ridley Scott actually wanted to make it, and this mm-hmm. was before Blade Runner. He ended up making Blade Runner in the 80s instead. Hmm, again, uh, I wonder which, where of all course, these ideas he was having were yeah. coming from. You're just grabbing right. these sci-fi concepts out of the air. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So Alien, obviously greatly inspired by the uh, you know Yodorowsky artwork and, and the Geiger artwork. So yep. uh, very interesting stuff there. And of course, Villeneuve would go on to direct the sequel to Blade Runner. So a lot of connections there. Uh, but Ridley Scott, it fell through for him as well. I didn't think about it that way. That, that's a very yeah. good point. Nice. Good catch. Uh, and it goes to this hot up-and-coming director, David Lynch, mm, who okay. is fresh off now, of The Elephant Man, his now, first now, kind of breakthrough. Let me right? jump in here. Because <laughs> yeah, I want in. to point out that um, to anyone who doesn't know this, I'm not even sure or familiar with what, what your guys' opinions are on the weirdest human being who's ever lived, David Lynch. <laughs> Mike, are you a Lynch yes. fan? I don't have a ton of, uh, let's say, shares of David Lynch in my viewing schedule. I, I, I really... I mean, is Fight Club him or is that no. David Fincher? See, David Fincher. Fincher. Yeah. I get those Twin two conflated and I don't know that much guy? about either. No, Twin I never Peaks. saw Twin Peaks. There's Blue Velvet. Uh, nope. Mulholland Drive is probably one of his most famous. I've seen that. and uh, Yeah. That's He's known for it. a lot of surreal imagery, weird plots that... You know, they kind of don't make sense. He's just kind of, some people think he's just kind of randomly, you know, making, having surreal stuff, but some, it, he doesn't explain a lot. So you have to find your own meaning. In, in oh, a lot of he's, yeah. a, he's a film school junkie. He's, he's a guy yeah. that a lot of those people. Now, listeners, imagine yeah, yeah. your weirdest, strangest cousin got put in charge of Star Wars. Imagine, <laughs> imagine Andy Warhol is, is plucked out and said like, you know, just you take Lord of the Rings and you just do whatever you want with it. it it's it. a, a disastrous decision, essentially, that was uh, oh, that came about 100% through deals and favors. He, he kind of signed hmm. a contract with this man, Dino De Laurentiis, a very famous Italian financier of films who had the rights to Dune and owned David hmm. Lynch's life essentially and said do this if you want to keep working right and he would go wow. on to make Blue Velvet two years later which was his, kind of his passion project also starring Colin McLaughlin uh, but so at this point he had only made it, yeah. to be allowed to do other shit at this point right. he made uh, Eraserhead yeah. a, w- a Hobbit moment so he had Eraserhead, his first movie, which was like a weird black mm-hmm. and white art movie, a lot of weird imagery. And then he made Elephant Man, which is the the biopic about the Elephant Man yep. guy. Uh, John Merrick. 
And that's kind of was his mainstream breakthrough. Then he got a bunch of offers to do different things, including Return of the Jedi, which he turned down. Hmm. And uh, then he did Dune instead. So we could have had Return of the Jedi directed by David Lynch, yeah. which I couldn't even imagine what there that was There was that like. period, Jacob, where Cronenberg 2, where Hollywood's belief of <clears throat> you use special effects, which, which really back then meant makeup. And that means you could do any sci-fi film in the world. And you just think, no, right. these guys are doing surrealist <laughs> horror movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and at this point, people still thought like they could make David Lynch a mainstream director. <laughs> this would be his last kind of mainstream project. <laughs> I was going to say, people still maybe think that they're going to be the ones who can yeah. do that, and they have never succeeded. With the Jeez. exception of like Twin Peaks, which was very popular when it was on, but it's still super weird. But... Mm. Uh, yeah, so he made Dune. It was had a $40 million budget, I think maybe the highest budget of all time at that point. And it would go on oh, to wow. make $30 million on a $40 million budget, which, if you know, you know, Hollywood, you got to make back at least twice your budget is generally the rule because of marketing. So $30 million on a $40 million budget, not great. But uh, let's say the big constraint too, Jacob, you're doing it in one. You're doing the whole book in one goddamn movie. Right, which that was the big... uh, So after they shot it, basically Lynch and uh, Dino De Laurentiis had a big falling out because De Laurentiis wanted a two-hour cut, whereas David Lynch (laughs) wanted to make it a three-hour cut. And he's like, I'm already... Like the original working cut, I think, was four hours. And he's like, I'm already cutting out a bunch of stuff. Uh, two hours, it's, it would be impossible to like even follow what's going on at that point because you're cutting out so much, so many scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so eventually, you know, he had a big falling out. He took his name off the TV, the edited for TV version. <laughs> so that's an Alan Smithy oh, wow. uh, film. Uh, so yeah, it was a disaster to say the least. But we saw, uh, so basically there's a fan cut of this by this person named Spice Diver. They're an anonymous person online. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows who they are. Uh, they, they have made... Uh, a f- yeah, basically. <laughs> but they've made yeah. a few cuts of this over the years, but uh, it's a three-hour cut using a lot of deleted scenes and even some lower-quality scenes uh, that never got the full treatment and stuff and kind of mix that in and make it made it a three hour cut and, and it's following <laughs> roughly like the, the David Lynch script, right? They're trying to make it yes. as similar to his vision as we could create. A yeah. It's actually of- very close to the, honestly, it's a very literal mm. adaptation of the book. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot is included in there from the book. And that's kind of the problem with the Lynch version in general. So the way the book is written, it kind of bounces around from character to character perspective wise. And you kind of, you can hear the inner thoughts of like all these different oh characters. So you know what everyone's thinking all the time. So the way Lynch kind of literalized that in the movie, it's by having a bunch of narration exposition. Right. And the Jacob spice diver that actually takes out like what was bad about yeah. the movie. And I was watching him and I thought, is Jacob the one? Is Jacob the chosen one of this podcast who will lead us? To <laughs> Which is victory? interesting because that is like how the book is written. There's a lot of inner monologue. Right. You can't just so. do that in a movie because it's super like you're just it's telling, not showing. Right. And the Spice Diver cut even took out like 50 percent of that. So just imagine 50 percent wow. more of the cut from <laughs> oh, that we man. watched. Now, but Wild. we all did watch this one. Mike, is that why the movie does not work? Um. <laughs> It's a death by a thousand cuts. 
this, this yeah, it's film. Like, that's part of it. <laughs> that's part yeah. of it, but that's not all of it. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is, you know, obviously we're going to be comparing this version to the Villeneuve version a lot. A lot of the same scenes, you know, it's very like a lot of it is pulled straight out of the book. Pretty there are much. certain weird things that Lynch adds, of course, but uh, you know, this spice I cut three hours long. Uh, and then we, when I found a link that was actually someone else took and used AI to like machine learning to upscale it to 4k. So That's we can amazing. provide that link to in the description oh, wow. probably. So anyone who wants to watch it, but so we watched that this weekend and Mike, what are your thoughts about this movie? Wow. Wow. A hard pitch straight to me. Um, Just going I'm in cold. I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. I'm fascinated by it as an artifact of art that someone made. Yes. There's so many bizarre decisions, bizarre scenes. Like you said, like plot threads that just kind of appear and disappear. Like some things are just never explained. Yeah. It's a mess. Especially, it's yeah. kind of like a... A beautiful mess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I can't look away from it. I'm transfixed, even though I don't think it's great. It's fascinating. That's yeah, what I'm at. It's super interesting. There are certain things that I really like about it. The production design, the, the sets, the costumes are all, like, incredible, I think. But then... For that period. Yeah. 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 Um, and keep in mind, so this is, you know, Return of the Jedi 83, right? So this is the year 84. This is the year after Star Wars. Star Wars is the biggest thing in the world. Dino De Laurentiis wanted basically Star Wars for grown-ups. So that's what he well, wanted David Lynch to make. To, to even interject with this, hmm. Dino De yeah. Laurentiis, this is a very important fact to point out, had the rights to a little thing called Flash Gordon that this guy named George Lucas was obsessed with. All he right. ever thought about his whole fucking life was, I would love to make a movie starring Flash <laughs> Gordon. He did not let him do that. He said, I will take my toy and make something else then. And he invented Star Wars. So the fact that we are playing mm-hmm. catch up to the biggest movie of all time and that literally, Jacob, the coming in thought to making this movie was, God damn it. How do we get our own goddamn Star Wars? Well, let's just take another one of these classic sci-fi books and ba-boom, ba-boom. Yeah. And, you know, it's just that's just that's a brutal way to make something. And especially when you have yeah, a young man who's just not good at making something like that. Well, so you compare it to something like Return of the Jedi. Obviously, that's you know a family-friendly movie. You got Ewoks, you got action adventure. This movie, you got a villain with weird blisters on his face, <laughs> shouting like a maniac. Patrick Stewart with the loot. <laughs> you know, he's just coming yeah. in. Sting. You got uh, Paul's, you know, sister, unborn sister, who's born with the consciousness of a, an adult. You know, Saint Leah of the Knife, which is from the books, and I'm very interested to see how. Oh yeah, Villeneuve Dude. does that. <laughs> hey, hey, everybody yeah. at home, this is spoilers for Dune. Yeah, Dune Paul's Part Two. Dune. This movie covers the whole book, so if you don't want to know what happens to Timothy Chalamet, yes, just plug and your ears. Which it is, you know, from a 1965 it, book, yeah. but if you not familiar with it you want to be surprised when part two comes out you might miss something. yeah You'll, but yeah, and yeah, yeah. to but, your point jacob it, it will have to be pretty close because it seems like again the lynch version was very slavish to the book material it seems like the denny villeneuve was as well even even down to a lot of the aesthetic is almost exactly the same in the movies yeah yeah 
Um, I, it's a yeah. lot of similarity between the two. Um, I want to mention while we were talking about, like you said, it's, you can't just say, let's get another sci-fi book and go for it. You know, we saw that with fantasy once Lord of the Rings, you know, we'll just get more book and go right. for it. But the fact is, Star Wars itself was heavily informed by Dune, oh, the book, anyway. 100%. So it's like the, the Dune movie is chasing the Star Wars movie that wouldn't exist without the Dune book. I mean, they both have spice and desert planets. Yeah. They're the essentially Sarlacc both pit. a hero's journey. Like Luke and, uh, and uh, Paul, they kind of have the same hero's journey. Yeah. You know, it really is. Like they're and that's why people, copying each other. That's why people say that Dune is the Lord of the Rings of sci-fi in that inspired, you know, Lord of the Rings changed the idea of what elves and dwarves and that kind of thing are in fantasy for like all time, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Dune did that with similar, you know, sandworms. It's the first thing to like have sandworms. Now, how many things have like sandworms in them, you know? Do you know what the first sandworm you ever saw was, Colin, in your life? Or derivative of the Dune sandworm? It it was... um Return of the Jedi, because I I had confessed to you guys, you know, that I had a very primal hmm. fear of the Rancor previously. I was also very scared of the Sandworms. <laughs> I think I saw Return of the Jedi at a very young age, and it just kind of sure. scared me across huh. the board. Yeah. I mean, traditional Return of the Jedi, you don't even see its no. beak. It's just no, a big just hole. special editions. But it's still yeah, scary, it gets improved by George Lucas's later cuts, do, right? Do you remember, I mean, Mike, was it, up uh, was it Beetlejuice? No, it wasn't. I've never seen Beetlejuice. Mm, How's that for Beetlejuice. a crazy story? It's, it's got some story. pretty good sandworms um, in it. We, we made some good uh, jokes off pod, and Joe mentioned it at this little intro, that Tremors is a good uh, sandworm mm, movie, yes. near-perfect totally. sandworm movie. But for me, I think Final Fantasy VII, weirdly, there's a moment when you're in the desert prison outside of the Golden Saucer, if you know, you know. And then if you try to leave, there's sandworms that'll fight you. Oh, and they're wow. pretty tough for what level you are. So that I'm like, even Final Fantasy oh, yeah. has some Dune in it. So that is go. crazy. Yeah. And you know, when Frank Herbert was writing the book, he was very inspired by ecology, also very similar to J.R.R. Tolkien. Like he he yeah. uh, was very interested in the deserts of uh, you know America and the dunes, the shifting winds and all that. And he was also very interested. He had a hobby of like growing mushrooms and he also experimented a lot with, uh, you know, psilocybin oh, mushrooms. And so that's what the <laughs> yeah. spice melange is based on. Hey, let's say yeah. real quick right now. Um, and you should probably clarify what it is, Jacob, but what would you guys do spice? <laughs> oh, I mean, you have to, you know. Are there negative without cataract? What is it? What is, does it fuck you up if you do it? It gives you visions. It, yeah, of crazy it gives you shit visions it like for Timothy. It's kind of a spiritual thing for the Fremen. It also is the reason that they can travel through space because they can fold space. That's the Spacers Guild, uh, which I think they'll get into more in the second part of Villeneuve's as well. So that's super interesting. That's that weird guy that you see at the beginning of the Lynch version uh, that comes and talks to the Emperor. That's the best. That fucking <laughs> yeah. embryo yeah, in the thing that that's like, we are in control. <laughs> yeah. He has little vacuuming guys for some reason. A <laughs> couple a of them are just constantly vacuuming near <laughs> yeah, his cage. It's yeah, It's insane. So many of the, again, the Lynch <laughs> version, so many production... So, design decisions that are just bizarre but they're incredible at the Absolutely. same time yes. and i guess that's the thing because we are kind of talking about a world from the book and they were pretty accurate but then those artistic flares of each creator are there but kind of the idea of a planet and now that you explain herbert's mindset and must mess with mushrooms it's like what if like 
when I did LSD, I could travel through space. <laughs> and then all the space governments wanted my yeah, LSD. Exactly. And Mike's there was book. a planet. And then it's like, okay, it's the there most, you go. Like, uh, you know, it's the, the most popular drug. It's also the most popular fuel. Yeah, so it's the single most, ra- it's the single most valuable thing in the world because thing. of that. Uh, yep, yep. So, yeah, he was very inspired by drugs. Fascinating setup, I, I would say, yeah. too. Just that it, idea. It is, There's it a is very, the worms, very important planet. Um, droppings correct that is that is what's going on there i think so yeah it's all about so you know frank herbert was very interested didn't want to explain it to (laughs) me yeah he just showed me things um frank herbert was very interested in my mycology the growing of mushrooms and the worm there are worms that like eat mushrooms in the wild so that's what the sandworms are based on just like a giant version of that uh, huh. And then he's also very inspired by theology, both, you know, Christian and Muslim. There's like a mixture. And that's where you get these Muslim sounding words and all that stuff, because he's very interested in language. Again, J.R.R. Tolkien. So hmm. a lot of similarities between them as like the thing from their genre. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like that detail, creating something like we said, that's it's dense, you know, it's it's a hundred miles deep and a thousand miles wide, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, there's a lot that he considered to make the Fremen feel actualized, make the Atreides feel actualized, make the Harkonnen feel mm-hmm. actualized. Um, and I think David Lynch, we'll get to Della Venu, yes. but like, I think David Lynch is really fails at giving me a sense as an audience that all of that thought into these cultures went into it. Cause what I see on screen is like pretty one dimensional. Yes. For pretty much well, that's every the thing. faction. And I, that's, I have a hard time with that. And I think movie. it all comes down to the pace and the time like he doesn't have the time to kind of expand on these ideas. So it's just moving from plot point to plot point, showing them like as literally as possible, but just jumping around, especially in the last hour when it gets to the stuff that'll be in Dune part two, where it's just jumping. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. yeah. We watched a three hour cut of this movie right. and basically everything until the last hour is just where Delavanu's right. version ends. Like, so I was like, there's only an hour left for the Makes rest of, of the book, right. and I don't know what chapter. Yeah, and now we're just going to stretch That's why it. at so one point knows? they're like, oh, two years has passed, and Paul's been doing all this shit in those two And now the there's leader. a kid who... <laughs> yeah. yeah, it really it goes off the rails later. in that last third. Yes, it but does. That, imagine that as a full movie. It's going to work so much better, and that's why the Villeneuve version works. In this case, I do. Yeah. Uh, when you look at just how much is rushed between like preparing for the battle and training the troops and this and, and that, it's riding. like, yeah, you could do a whole movie for yeah. this. The worm riding is going to be yeah, so yeah. dope in the Villeneuve version. Oh my God. Kyle McLaughlin, when he gets up top and he does the thing and he's riding and it's the small little him and the huge back projection. Normies, you have to watch movies from these time periods for this stuff. But, you know yeah. what? That just reminded me because as I was watching that exact scene and it just jogged something I'm having a spice vision, <laughs> I was like, this reminds me so much of Ralph Bakshi's yes. Lord of the Rings because it's this insane creative we energy. Should say, Ralph Bakshi was on and- when he made Return of the King. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so it's like a live action version of that energy <laughs> manifest into a And it has the same movie. problem of trying to be too <laughs> yeah. rushed, especially at the ending. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they don't even get to Return of the King, obviously. So, yeah, it's very similar. But there's just a ton Jacob, of interesting shit in the it's frame. It's got the same issue of a maniac is in control of the material that he has yeah. no grasp on. <laughs> that he is just like mm-hmm. allowed to do whatever he wants, but is crumbling under the weight of that. 
Right. Yes, yes. It's incredible. Yeah, so there's a lot of interesting stuff that'll be in Dune Part 2 that I'm very excited for. Um, I almost didn't want to finish it, like the Lynch yeah. cut, because I, I, I enjoyed be the Delavanue one so much more. We'll get there, but it's like I, I kind of wanted to be surprised, but I know it's a book and the spoiler window is over, so right. it's like, you know, I'll just see what David Lynch did and then go into the hopefully yeah by by the time it comes out you might have forgot a lot of it anyways so you might be surprised still that all depends on how much long bottom leaf <laughs> remains in Saruman's <laughs> storeroom yeah <laughs> um but yeah the lynch version super interesting what, what to watch your, what you, what's in your heart what do you feel in your heart about the lynch i'm version glad it exists i'm glad i watched that spice diver cut I mean, there's no denying, like, the villain new version is a way better movie. Like, I don't think anyone can disagree with that unless you just want to be a contrarian. Uh, but if you look, you know, I know certain people will love the aesthetic of the Lynch version. And, I, you know, I get it. Uh, there are some weird things. Like, everything with the Harkonnens is just insane in the Lynch version. <laughs> Someone made a super cut on YouTube. I was looking up quotes for the episode, and it was just called... Those wacky Harkonnens, <laughs> and it was sure. just all the weird shit that they do. The yeah. They're amazing. Super cut, they're, they're so the character <laughs> yeah. actors of the time, people you would not see starving them. The fact that we get like David Dast Malkin in one of those characters in the yes. new one, that's about the closest casting-wise you get. Otherwise, these are David Lynch maniac regulars, is what you have to right. understand, well, too. So the David Dast Malkian character... Nice. In the Lynch version, is played by Brad Dwarf, who yes. you know we Chucky. love, Grima Wormtongue, <laughs> Chucky uh, and Wormtongue mm-hmm. himself, an yes. absolute <laughs> lunatic <laughs> in a boil-ridden yes. maniac uh, performance. Um, yeah, just if well, I can ties say, back to my Sauron joke. <laughs> you know, as a Lynch fan, I'm actually mad this movie exists. For the longest time, hmm. my dad would say, you know, it's just unwatchable, and I would say, how can it be? I have fallen for that line of thinking 500 times in my lifetime. You know, you say the aesthetics and stuff. It is good and interesting that someone with that mindset got to play with that much money. There's a reason you never yeah. see it again, unfortunately. Um, and I just there's just there's just nothing here. There's just nothing here. Well, it's a real turning point in his I, career because after this, he would only do small, weird movies. Yeah. Um, but I think there is. Well, I, there's got, yeah. I know there's one thing you like in this movie, Colin, and that's Sean Young. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Blade Runner. That's true. Sean right. Young and Blade it's Runner. All tied I mean, together. again, the cast is just absolute maniacs, but she is so good as Chani. Um, I think Kyle MacLachlan's seven minutes good that as she's Paul. in the movie. She's in none of it. I think Zendaya is going to be in just as much. Unfortunately, I don't. Well, know. she's gonna. She's gonna be much. I think Zendaya will be in it in a bigger role in part two. Uh, similar to even how so, what the Villeneuve version I love about it is Lady Jessica is a much bigger role in the Villeneuve version, which in the book she is like the second most important character other than Paul. Mm. In the Lynch version, I feel like she was really underutilized. She's nobody. So I like that about the Villeneuve version. Uh, Chani is so spoiler alert, but it's in the Lynch version. Um, Doctor Kynes's daughter is Chani. So Doctor Kynes who's played by Max von Sydow in the Lynch version. Uh, the gender swapped also. in the Villeneuve version, so she's a lady, but I still think they'll keep that familial connection. Leader of the Fremen. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Um, Interesting. But uh, there is some, certain things that I that I really like about the Lynch version. I'm glad it exists. And uh, yeah. All right. What's, here's one of the best things about it. Patrick Stewart. Yes. 
You like Patrick Stewart pre-TNG <laughs> playing a loot. That's right. Playing he's a going very battle Picard with a dog, role. famously. The f- yeah. He's, he's, okay. <laughs> and he grows a bald man mullet. Yes, he's got it's long incredible. hair while being bald. He, the the he runs in with that pug. Let's go! Bang, bang, yep. bang, bang. So, of course, yeah, he's it's, playing... It's, a, it's an artifact, just like Bocce's film. It's like, you need to just experience it, but you're not going to no. enjoy it. Yeah, and Patrick maybe. Stewart, at this time, he was... I mean, he's not... He wasn't as well-known as you later would become, but he was well-known as sort of a Shakespearean actor. Uh, this was just a few yeah. years before TNG. Uh of course, he he Shakespeare's the hell out of it yes. too. He's so every so he has he doesn't have a lot of lines, but every line he has, he's acting the hell out of it. Uh, he plays Gurney mm-hmm. Halleck, who's played by Josh Brolin in the new version. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, mm-hmm. in the books, he is like a troubadour, like a warrior troubadour. And so I like that he plays <laughs> the Balisette at one point. That's <laughs> he's he's always quoting literature wow. and like the Bible and shit. And like they really they call it a battle bard in, in absolutely yeah, exactly. <laughs> big casting. I got to ask you about Jacob. How about Jurgen Prock now as the Duke Atreides, mm. the the king who, of course, is Oscar Isaacs in the in the new film. Yes, he's all right. I thought him, you know, Kyle McLaughlin, they're all right. But I overall, pretty much 99% of the cast in the Villeneuve version, I prefer. I think the only one is Gurney Halleck Patrick, because of Patrick Stewart. I thought Josh Brolin was fine, but he's, you know, he's not Patrick Stewart. Oh, the Baron, too, is obviously better. In oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, not more threatening, but more entertaining. And, of course, we have the character of Fade Rotha, which is uh, Sting. Mm, yes. Uh, he has not showed up in the Villeneuve version yet. He is going to be in part two. And I guess what? I already have a casting for him. Denis Villeneuve, if you're listening. You know it? No, no. I oh, have okay. my preferred casting, which I will tell Sting Denis. I'm assuming he's listening. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the Sting role, obviously, he's sort of a—he's the nephew of the Baron Harkonnen. Him and the Beast Robin, who was played by uh, Batista in the new version, mm-hmm. very cool. Uh, but Fade Wrath, we haven't seen him yet. I've got the perfect casting for him: Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. Mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson. Against, you know, contrasting against Timothy Chalamet as Paul Atreides, they'll have that oh. knife fight at the end. Yes. Reunion of yeah, the king. Both in the From king. They Netflix had a duel. Movie. The return of the king. Return right? of the king. Of course, he played the French prince. He would prince. get into yeah. it. He would be crazy. Oh, he I would, would go for that. it. I think. I think that would I'd be a perfect. Seeing kind of more of an Ed Sheeran. With, I could see him with Batista too. <laughs> yeah, an Ed Sheeran. Um, no, I, I, I think. What you're do right, you think? Jacob. So, Denis, if you're listening, I, Robert Pattinson, perfect casting. You know, he's it. already in the Warner Brothers family. Yeah. I think he would fit with that whole cast. Just, you know, he's just one. Yeah, there's right one there. there. He's filming Batman two two lots down, two sound stages down. But uh, you know who knows? Because Jacob, based on the buzz of the internet right now, obviously your Spider-Man plan for uh, Andrew Garfield seems to be getting a lot of groundswell. Yeah, no that was kidding. your original idea, so maybe this will come to fruition. I'd like to see too. Andrew Garfield Hollywood play him. Hire me. <laughs> Andrew, yeah, Garfield, Andrew Garfield, another great choice. <laughs> Whoever it is, they have to wear that speedo that Sting wears when they have a knife fight. <laughs> yes, there's um, a lot yes. of knife fights in Dune. Absolutely. If we're staying yeah. with problematic things, yeah, I love they, you know, uh, the slow blade. David Lynch. I'll also say Bretty Sinellis had a uh, book, uh, most famous for American Psycho. You know that that author <laughs> had a book called Rules of Attraction when we were kids that uh, literally right. has characters. Um, a, a parent is a film executive and he keeps pitching in the book. I want to put sting in a movie. Sting's got to be in a movie. I got this huge sci-fi thing that's going to come out. 
that's before oh. Dune. So that's that always kind of interested me. Wow. What a weird coincidence that's that, that is interesting. I feel like Sting is trying to make his David Bowie <laughs> I, run And I here. think that's like what like, the energy is, Mike. You're totally right. Yeah. It's, for sure. Yeah, for it's sure. an interesting <laughs> casting choice. Like I said, the the Yodorowsky one, he wanted Mick Jagger to play that role. So it's always got to be like a famous musician, I guess. So it's maybe we get like... Uh, okay. Whoever the most famous rock star is now. Uh, but Jacob, I'll say if we already mm. gender swapped um, Travis Max I know. How about uh, Billie Eilish? Billie Eilish is this fucking maniac Whoa, character. Sure. That would be crazy. Why not? Why not? Sure. I would actually, yeah, I could see her in a Dune outfit fitting <laughs> in that, right in. I could in. see yeah. her literally just <laughs> wearing that thong holding a knife with crazy hair. Just going like, let's sure. do it, Shalomai. So I have to say I'm the bad guy. <laughs> I'm the yeah. bad guy. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, uh, we got perfect. Batista coming back as you know the Beast Rabin who uh, will control Arrakis. You know after he'll squeeze yeah. it, he's going to squeeze and they decapitate him in the in the Lynch version at the end. There, that's pretty crazy. But uh, these are all spoilers, I guess. Well, let's jump in. Let's let's jump to the rest of Doom. Yeah. Let's let's talk the new movie itself. Let's go to Arrakis. Let's snort some uh, melange and finish talking <laughs> Doom. Mm, spice melange. The spice must flow. back we've got weird shaved heads and we're putting them together to talk dune as the mm-hmm. bene gesserit is that right chicken that's right that's nice right. Um, they have weird uh, hairstyles in the lynch version yeah they, yeah and i'm really hoping rebecca ferguson <laughs> uh will carry that over but we're yes. we're talking now the denny villeneuve dune big hit of the mm-hmm. summer now jacob you have wanted to talk about dune for a while you wanted to talk about yes. it kind of before the release we wanted to do an episode during the release. We kept moving. We kept moving. We were doing our Lord of the Rings. Wanted to do an episode. Right. Wanted to do an episode. In that time, we weren't positive there was going to be a Dune 2. But now mm-hmm. doing this episode, we know they are going to continue and make it uh, a sequel to this film that we watched as well. That's right. Yeah, they didn't. the studio didn't commit to a sequel until it came out. They wanted to see how it would do, which is never a good idea. But fortunately, I mean... Fortunately, it made enough money that it because obviously, so Denis Villeneuve, great director, his movies in the past haven't always been huge hits. Uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, they kind of bet a lot on that. wasn't a huge hit, was kind of a bomb, even though people liked it. It just didn't get seen by a huge audience. Fortunately, Dune was a hit, uh, and pretty much right after it came out, they're like, "Yeah, we'll make a sequel." And what's great uh, about the the success of Dune is, you know. It was day and date on HBO Max. So, you know, obviously it's not going to make nearly as much money as Spider-Man did. It couldn't have. A lot of people did watch it at home and I'm one of them. And I appreciate that they stuck to their guns for the whole year. But um, important to point out the mic. Yeah. Yeah, And and a lot of those. I was very pleased. That's all. Right. And looking back on that whole day and date HBO thing, most of those movies failed with the exception of Dune and King Kong vs. Godzilla. Hell yeah. Yes. Basically only two that equal were in quality, I think. Jacob, yeah, <laughs> yes. agreed, Mike. Now, the interesting thing is Warner Brothers has not been interested in talking about or sharing any information of this worked. This, you know, this one was a hit. This one was bad. They have not done any of that. Except right. I agree with you with that. The two instances where they overperformed so much, I think the internal projections were 
Dune is going to be what it's going to be. We're very excited to keep working with Denny. We lost Christopher Nolan, so we'd like a couple of tours to stick around. Let's right. see how this goes. And the minute people sort of started saying, uh, is this a best picture contender? You know, like, is, is Hans Zimmer going to win, like, best score for this thing? I, and then right, the yeah. money started coming in. <laughs> I really do think the attitude became, well, everybody knows that Dune is a masterpiece of cinema, and it's just always been that way. And, you know, you have to buy yeah. the 4K. And, yeah, it's, just, it's been mm -hmm, a really interesting right. journey. But obviously the studio... Yeah, didn't have the same comments that like, you know, new line had for, was a new line for Lord of the Rings where yeah. they gave Peter Jackson, you know, shoot the whole trilogy at once. They didn't do that for Villeneuve. This is like, legendary. Let's see how it yeah. Yeah. But, but now they're like, okay, yeah. Now we want to make as many mo Dune movies as we can. Sure. Bastards. Um, Two more. <laughs> good news there. Uh, my, honestly, the greatest thing about the Villeneuve version for me is just the casting. They nailed the characters and I think they nailed the relationships between like Paul and his mother, you know, his mother and father, Lady Jessica and Duke Leto. They really nailed those relationships. And I think that's what makes it work so much better. Oscar Isaac is perfect. Becca Ferguson. Amazing. Like I just now, love those relationships. Jacob, yeah. do you remember the rollout of the casting? Because it would happen. You yeah. get a person a week, the excitement, literally you would see articles where people were like, has a cast ever been this big of just A-listers? Then all of a sudden, yeah. the Knives Out 2 cast started coming out, and it was like oh, a sure. rivalry of A-lister, <laughs> A-lister, A-lister. Right. Well, yeah, for Villeneuve... Which artsy guy can get the most A-listers on his movie? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. For me, it was like that, uh, you know, the Vince McMahon meme where he just gets more and more yeah, excited? More and more excited. <laughs> that was me, where it's like, Jason Momoa. Oh, Batista. <laughs> that was like, no, Batista, Zendaya, yeah, yeah. Timothy Chalamet. I was like, That was the final nail in the coffin. This wow. movie's going to be fucking yeah. epic. And obviously, Batista was in Blade Runner. Mm -hmm. uh, so, some of his usuals. Um, but yeah, they really nailed the casting. I love the advisors, you know, Duncan Idaho, Gurney Halleck, The Fear mm -hmm. Hawat. Like, they nailed all those roles. So, good job. It's insane Denise. that they're all still intertwined with Blade Runner and Star Wars. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> like even you know, Oscar, Oscar Isaac and all Isaac. that. It's yeah. like you can't escape it. Yeah, and Rebecca Ferguson, who I think is really underrated, she was in the Mission Impossible, the last couple Mission Impossible movies. Oh yeah, she, like Lady Jessica is such an interesting character, and I feel like she really yeah. got underutilized in the Lynch version. So, um, yeah, let, let me ask Colin, what did you think of the Delva new one? Because you claimed there might be no good version of Dune. What, what are your thoughts on I this? Do. We're going to gush, but now, I want you to get your piece in. And it truly comes down to my, my just full on thought is this is not a movie. It's a collection hmm. of great scenes. And then it ends with two people having the most boring knife fight you have ever seen in your life. <laughs> and that's totally Damn. fine. I, I saw it at home. I would have loved to motherfucking IMAX this thing. I'm with Jacob. Oh, yeah. I get excited just even talking to you guys about it, just because even hearing you say the sci-fi words and talk about the cast, I am like, yeah. fuck, who doesn't like a movie with a cast that fucking good? So mm -hmm. I, right. that's where I'm at with it. I agree with what you're saying, the most boring knife fight ever. But then I wonder, I have to ask myself, <laughs> that's your climax. It's a one-on-one -on -one knife fight, right? But it's like, is that scene more boring 
than the giant battle that David Lynch did because that shit was so right. weird and disjointed and like right. I don't understand. Oh, but look, what's, comp- what's the gun to, that you talk into? What is that? He didn't explain it. Okay, so that's totally a Lynch invention. So in okay. the books, they have the weirding way, which is like, <laughs> like the they're not martial- just out here, you know, <laughs> yes. dragonborn, Fusro dying. Like, yeah. listen, mm, what is that? So, so in the in the books, yeah. there's the, the weirding way, which is like the Atreides special, like uh, martial arts. But so David Lynch is hired. We're going to have these things called weirding modules, which are like guns that you use sound to shoot it's like things. like a microphone under your neck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't make sense. And that was one of the weirdest changes from so the book. So that's not from the book. No. No. no that's but, really but, helping but, me teach, know, me but, teach people word guns. Well, <laughs> die, I, die, I am, die. I'll be sympathetic to my weird boy for a second and say, you're reading this source material and it has things like the voice. You know, it has. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, the weirding way it has walking without rhythm it has all this mm-hmm. fucking stuff where you're like no 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 audience <laughs> is going to be able to understand there's this. so We're much to explain drugs. it's the 80s yeah. that's right there's a lot of exposition and even the Villeneuve version it's like they have to explain so much the still suits how they work how J- all this Jacob, shit works they do mm-hmm. the one genius thing I will fucking give Denny Villeneuve on the um, explanation front to literally remove the um the voiceover and instead yeah. go he just has a learning robot that he'll just like click on that goes like this is what arrakis is you know this is this right. of course that fucking makes a thousand times more sense yeah, yeah and that's he, something he the spice his, diver uh, 10 things also- to do in arrakis tour book you know like, why <laughs> exactly. wouldn't exactly he? he just yeah. gets yeah. on google it's, i know it's computers are yeah. outlawed Right. Yes, there's so much to explain, and that that definitely helps. And even the spice diver cut of the Lynch version adds a bunch of that in to explain certain things, because there is so, so much. Rushed, it's just like there's no way. Yeah, it's impossible. It with, with the ending, so compare. Okay, so in the Villeneuve version, when they go rescue the spice miners, right? That's a mm-hmm. great scene. Oh, incredible! Uh, in, in the Lynch version, it's it's not as good, right? It's okay. So the, so the action is way better in the Villeneuve version. So the whole all the battles and stuff in the second part of the book is going to be so much better, I think, in the Villeneuve version because of the cinematography, well, the one, action. Yeah. That yeah. dream battle that we saw, like it was in the trailer. It was like he had yeah. that vision. Like just that was sick. And it was just like, a, you know, a right. tease, I think. So you say, you know, his, his, his knife fight with Jamis isn't, you know, maybe that great. But then, you know, there's a lot of knife fights in the books because then he also yeah. knife fights Sting it, it so. will be mirrored later great <laughs> I wish yeah. the shields looked like the David Lynch version so I do too actually yes. I would love if Tron came out and threw a disc yeah. in my yeah. yeah let's do that's that that's the thing is like user. I think some of the effects from the Lynch version Spice do user. hold up like the uh, the 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 worm effects are pretty oh. good for that era for the Lynch version but the shields are Bad. Amazingly bad. <laughs> like because that computer imaging is not a thing yet. No. Yeah. Really. And they're trying. It's but, like uh, trying, it's but it's like still. Tron, yeah. I think that's why I love about the Delavenue though. You're right. Like Blade Runner, it had incredible scope, scale, it had like a sense of geography and like groundedness. It was vast, right? And beautiful. And this is yeah. that too. And it, again, those col- <clears throat> sorry, the cultures and the relationships, like you said, feel so much more realized and believable with the cast and the way the well, tone yeah, and the scenes are directed where David casting, Lynch is just saying 
you fly around and yell, Harkin. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay. <laughs> I was going right. to say, even just casting people of color as the Fremen, you know, to make them actually appear as natives of a planet. Oh, yeah, instead or, of just a bunch of white guys. Yeah. Yes, or the distinctions oh, yeah. with the Harkonnens of, we can make them look like aliens. They do not have to look like gross, red-headed people. <laughs> Yeah, why are they all gingers? Yeah. What is that? They're anyway, gingers, and then they have the weird, like... the anti-Irish movie ever after <laughs> Halloween 3. <laughs> and their foot right. soldiers in the Lynch version have, like, an opposite mohawk, where they just have it shaved down the middle, but then they have red hair on the sides. That's the hawk mo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hawk yeah, mo. super weird. In the Villeneuve, they're like, we're just going to make them all bald and weird looking. Uh, yeah. But, you know, Baron Harkonnen, way more menacing in this version, not just weird and, like, weird warts on his face. <laughs> no, he's menacing. Uh, and I don't know what that pool is that he's going in, you know, yeah. just weird stuff. Yeah, I will just say real quick, just because we're doing plot stuff, there might be some Hobbit-esque elements where I just can't get over certain moments where, like, the big plot point is, like, a poisonous tooth you're going to use to breathe at a guy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Right. Again, but the way know, that's handled is it so much better yes. in the yeah. new version. Like to at least make it somewhat believable, you know, more than the Lynch one did. I think. And that brings me to another big improvement in the Villeneuve. And I think this is actually an improvement over the book because, hmm. um, so the the whole plot against the Atreides uh, in the books, these literally the second chapter is the Baron Harkonnen like explaining his whole plan to Fade Ratha. Uh, and then the Lynch version does it too. Like the first scene is the emperor explaining his plan. It's like the villain new version. It sets it up almost as a mystery where it's like, they kind of know they're going to be betrayed at some point, but we don't know it's Dr. Yui. Who's the traitor. We don't know the whole plan over time. We learn more and more. And it's more of a surprise when the re like, they don't just say up, Oh, it's Dr. Yui. It's like our man on the inside. So that whole setup, you I thought, was done way better. Thoughts, that he's so worried about doing <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, my wife. Yeah. Um, right. But so I think like that's all just, done much better. Yeah, like it's a show, don't tell. Like instead of having someone say, "I'm conflicted about this," maybe um, act. Yeah. Conflicted mm, in your facial expression. And overall, I just think all the actors just act more like real people in the Villeneuve version. They're not just kind of saying their lines in a weird like Shakespearean way or something like that. Like there, it feels like a real world, like a real lived in world. And I like that a lot about that version. And It'll I think that, yeah, yeah. Cause isn't he like 15 in the book, Paul Atreides? Yeah. He's 15 in the books. You know, Timothy Chalamet definitely looks younger than Kyle McLaughlin at that point, even though they're probably both in their mid twenties. But uh, yeah, I think Tim Timothy Chalamet was a great choice for, for Paul Atreides. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's good, and I think just you know the visual and the the score, you know, is in, in, insane, and it's just I guess treating the book that has gotten so much acclaim at least with an amount of respect, yeah, to nail those details, that part of the density. I can see people saying it's kind of long, it's kind of boring. It's a lot of explaining. I liked it personally. I would stay in there for another six hours. Like when the credits rolled, I was like, yeah. I just want more of this. Like I fell in love with it. That was Blast the first me. Dune thing I experienced. I, think that's I guess great. it presents all of those elements in the most favorable light that you possibly could. Like when you compare the scene with that little hunter drone. Yeah, the hunter seeker. Versus the Lynch version. It's like <laughs> that scene sucks ass and has no tension. Yeah. But in Delavanue, that's a scary moment, you know? Totally. Yeah, I so, think that that just means that yeah. there's a success that, you know, someone like you who had never really 
seen anything Dune related going into it and you kind of fell in love with it by watching that movie, I'd say that was a success. And it's more like the world of Dune, not even just the film. Just yeah. I'm fascinated by the location, the cultures. I don't even maybe necessarily remember every scene or every plot point, you know, but I remember the world. And, right. and that, I think, is a huge success, at least, that their team has done in this new version. And I think Villeneuve has really planned it out well, where it's like certain characters we didn't even see, like Fade Rotha, like the Emperor, we don't see him in part one, but he will be in part two. Princess Irulan, who's his daughter, like all that stuff is coming. And I think there's a lot still left to tell. And I'm really excited for the second part. Yeah, I really didn't appreciate how David Lynch just shows his hand, like you said, right at the beginning. Yeah. I'm the emperor. I'm going to fuck over the Atreides. Harkonnens, right. you're in on it. Okay? Okay. Movie. Like, that, that sucks. <laughs> but Delevingne's approach, and even Zendaya is a little bit more present than her, you know, counterpart in with Sean yeah. Young. Yeah, and that was kind of people's big complaint yeah. with Zendaya <laughs> in this movie. It's like, oh, she's barely in it. She's mostly in, like, dreams and stuff. But that's all foreshadowing for part two, in which she'll become a main kind yeah. of... A, bigger character also, and none guess, of that happens in the lynch version <laughs> he just shows how up many when other fucking things zendaya had to work on this year fucking space yeah. jam euphoria spider-man fucking relax <laughs> yeah yeah she is everywhere it, i believe she was the highest grossing star yeah, of she's 2021 in a million things yeah it, yeah the year of zendaya but it's like if you thought that was small like it was actually beefed up from the david lynch version you know what i mean same thing right. with lady jessica like that stuff is good like i like seeing more of that totally totally yeah um so. yeah it just feels like a lived-in world i love the world building and I'm, I'm like the cinematography is amazing like you said the score is great and even you know villanue does add those little details in that i love like when they arrive on arrakis there's the bagpipe player that's fucking awesome mm-hmm. like the started car troops there's the throat singer guy like that's like some warhammer 40k <laughs> shit like i love that yes. i just like here we got some fucking trees yeah. and they're very expensive to keep alive like just interesting I love that scene shit. too yeah and that's i don't that's like a not even a book scene that's just something villeneuve added as well that's awesome it's the theme yeah Beyond content, even just mirroring with the deserty stuff, Mike, it reminds me of your beloved Fury Road. Just because we're in the hands of a master director who is thinking about tiny details in every part of his film. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And you can feel it. It, it, it. And like Lord of the Rings, I think you could feel the passion for the subject matter from the director, from the cinematographer, from the cast, from Hans Zimmer. I mean, like everyone really wanted this to not suck. And yes, they, they, to me, I think did it. It's just a weird movie. You might be bored, but to me, it's created something beautiful. Yeah. It's really the perfect Dune adaptation. It's like everything I could ask for, even like minor details that I don't love. I can't complain about it too much because it's just like, for instance, the, they say Harkonnen in the Villeneuve version. I've always pronounced it Harkonnen, but that's Mm. really small detail. I don't really care. You know, the way, even like the ornithopter design, like I love it. Like everything oh, yeah. looks so cool. Like uh, they just nailed it. And, and it looks worm. like just a weird, it's, it's just bad in David Lynch's version. We've had yeah. star Wars ships that like they're good looking spaceships. I don't know what <laughs> they were doing with his, but yeah, the orthopters or whatever in yeah. the news, they're, they're awesome. That technology feels believable. Everything yeah, the feels. Shields. And like I yeah, said, with the Mentats, you know, there's no computers because of the whole AI rebellion years ago so they have mentats in the way they they you know their eyes go you know white or whatever and they do their calculations like it's just so 
everything is like so good. So I can't even complain about anything. It's just crazy that Arrakis is, you know, Earth and the AI uprising was Terminator. <laughs> yeah. And, it's uh, even making me think of Star be. Trek, Mike. All these things that are like, no, the AI wars of the 10 years ago, where I'm like, no, yeah, those are like the, the eugenics where wars of 1993. Yeah, it's bullshit, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, no clones wars. also become a big thing in the Dune universe as well in later books. So, Cause there's se- yeah, because again, we're pretty much discussing the fir- the first book, and there's a ton of sequels, I yes. guess, that yeah, there's, document uh, the continued adventures of whoever survives to the end of this book. That's right. Um, mm. so the sequel to Dune written by Frank, Frank Herbert was Dune Messiah. And then he, there was children of Dune, Dune chapter house. And like, I think he wrote five or six Dune books before he died. And then, like I said, his son wrote a bunch of prequels and stuff. But I do think if, you know, part two is successful enough, they could make a third movie about Dune Messiah. And that's a really interesting, uh, kind of turning the hero's journey chosen one on its head because they kind of, um, Basically, Paul Atreides does like a heel turn as the leader of the Fremen and becomes like a basically a charismatic cult leader. Uh, and then his son, Leto II, kind of becomes the main character. And uh, <laughs> so nice. it gets really interesting. Duncan Idaho, there's like he, he becomes a clone. There's like hundreds of Duncan Idaho clones. So Just a man <laughs> making his way in the galaxy. What? Yeah. So that could be a thing with Jason Damn. Momoa. Uh, I don't know. But but his dad is interesting. Boba Fett. <laughs> so so I guess so the point is though if this is successful you know they have I always thought Dune was just one book so now they're like there could be potential future sequels with the same cast like they could have a a Duneiverse let's say on their they hands could. at WB and actually and there's plenty of content to feed that yeah and one thing has been officially announced they're making a show about the Bene Gesserit sisterhood that's like a prequel to Dune it's called and The Voice. It's on ABC. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but really, Don't they're making that show. Me, and uh, no. Villeneuve is going to direct the pilot, I guess. You're going um, to Hollywood. Sorry. So I don't know what that's going to be like. but they're, So they're Just already making spinoffs. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Which, okay. So it's kind of crazy. We'll see how it goes. But by the way, I didn't mention there was also a 2000 sci-fi miniseries yes. of Dune. And then they made a sequel to that called Children of Dune, which is Dune Messiah and Children of Dune, the second and third oh, books combined. I almost yeah. want to even oh, say, I was going to call it Children of Dune, Jacob. I almost wonder if that's the one that I saw. Now, when I was a kid, we taped this, I'm pretty sure. It was just one yeah. of those things where, I don't know if it was because of the marketing or, the, or what. I remember having conversations with my dad or even my brother just going, do you see the commercials for that Dune TV show? The budget on it looks huge. <laughs> no way. Sure, sure. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch that one yet. I kind of want McAvoy. to as just a Dune completionist. Oh. oh. I believe he plays he Leto, too. Universe. Yeah, in Children oh, of wow. Dune. Yeah, so uh, I forget the actor that plays Paul in... But basically, Children of Dune 2003 is the sequel where Leto becomes the main kind of protagonist. Basically, spoiler alert for that book, Paul Atreides dies at one point. Oh, jeez. Yeah, (laughs) but he kind of becomes like an evil cult leader and then dies. And then Leto, too, has to become like the new hero. Uh, Hmm. Could be interesting. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Again, you have to wonder. Uh, I think wonder. they've done a good job of start setting all of that up. Yes, right? absolutely. And Mike, why would Warner Brothers be afraid to put the money down now to build out your entire corner of your sci-fi? When you see the Damn. strength of yeah. the Star Wars brand episodically on Disney+, Plus, 
wouldn't you be some dumb executive who's like, we've got one of those stupid streaming things. Buy up a sci-fi thing, you morons. And the other thing, too, yeah. is you could build a ton of these sets that will be shared amongst all the series already. Like, you could plan for that, you know, if there's throne rooms, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's a little nitty-gritty. Well, think but, about, you know, you know, what Warner Brothers has right now. You know, they've got DC, EU, you know, constant, you know, mistakes there they've got the fantastic beast nobody likes those they don't have nope. a lot going for them right now J- they Jacob, should they're invest. trying to convince us we want more game of thrones which is going to be their next biggest battle so yeah right. you do gotta wonder yeah. yeah they're trying this could have potentially feels like we said game of thrones in space you know these factions warring over whatever the, the throne is the, yeah. the planet and by and the then, way game yeah. of thrones uh, I was thinking about, you know, Duke Leto. He's kind of a proto-Ned Stark character where he's like the super great guy, very honorable, but, end, you know, ends up being dooskied. very naive about the real world and politics and gets dooskied because he... Uh, as soon as he's pulled into the real game. Yeah. Yeah. So, Interesting. very similar there. I don't know if George R. R. Martin was inspired at all by Dune, but a lot of similarities. Yeah, I'm sure there's a ripple effect. Um, but I guess, you know... Future looks bright, obviously, um, because of how well this is done. You know, everyone's praising it. And then, you know, let's say HBO, I guess, for lack of a better term, has a big sandbox uh, in which to play for yes. the next coming years. So, Love yeah, it. I think we'll see so. what turns up of it. But for now, I think it's time to go to our final thoughts on the desert planet Arrakis. Dune, right after this. Desert power. Vision, vision, vision. And that's that we're wrapping things up here on Dune. Giving our final thoughts on the entire franchise, on the movies we enjoyed. Uh, that sci-fi miniseries that I am absolutely going to look up after this just yeah. to get a kick out of that. Track of down that uh, that Dune 4K release, Jacob was saying. And there's a lot Definitely. to watch. Yeah, I need to see that milking cat in 4K. <laughs> nope. Insane. I can't, Insane. You, we haven't even touch the tip of the iceberg on the weird shit in David Lynch's movies. Yes. So yeah, just for curiosity's sake, trust me, you have not heard the weirdest of it. So no, no podcast no. can contain all of that. Anyway, no, you haven't seen a, a young girl with the voice of a clearly overdubbed <laughs> adult woman murdering uh, talking in a baby voice. <laughs> yes. I'm, um, a dance I'm with a knife. Doctor. I think she dabs with it. It's very weird. That's right. Yes. On the battlefield, yep. Uh, but Dune, we've done it. You know, we've made it to Arrakis. We got screwed over by the emperor of all space. Um, and now we're hiding in the you. desert, but at least we can still talk to you guys about Dune. Yeah. That's right. I was, you know, super happy to talk. You know, you got to cut me off because <laughs> I'll just talk about Dune for another five hours if we're not if you're not careful. So super <laughs> happy to talk about it. What do you like about it so much? I just love the world, you know, the world building, uh, the characters and sort of the themes, you know, that's, there's a lot of subtle themes you can read into it. Obviously it's kind of a take on the hero's journey. Uh, but like I said, with Dune Messiah, it kind of flips that in an interesting way. 
and you know, like I said, a lot of the theology I find very interesting uh, in that kind of thing. So I just love the the world mainly. Yeah, I guess you know I mentioned it earlier. The similarity between Lord of the Rings and this is generally it creates a world that people love, similar to Harry Potter too. Like people love the world of Harry Potter. Almost more than any yeah. individual piece of media set in it. Um, same thing with Middle Earth. Very true. And uh, this has that. Like, I like the planet Arrakis already after one movie more than any single planet on Star Wars. Like, I'm, I'm so fascinated by it because it feels like you're doing some kind of future archaeology, just exploring its concepts and right. its peoples and its traditions. And I really like that. And that's what Dilla Villeneuve had done. And... There's yeah. been a couple times where media that I'd never intersected with, like He-Man, is done well now, and then inspires me to take a look back. And Karate Kid that has done might, this for a lot of so people. True. And this that's has done so that. perfect. Yeah, so that's where I'm at. I mean, I love Dune. I love the world of it. And Dilvenu's version yeah. is my favorite flavor that's been baked yet. But I'm, I was also down to then look at David Lynch and like, how did he interpret this? Because the world of Dune is fucking awesome honestly and thank you for star yeah. wars frank herbert you know thanks for everything else that i like blade runner and sean young thank you frank herbert right. yeah you mentioned star wars it's like tatooine there probably would be no tatooine or if there jacku wasn't Arrakis, you know yeah oh can you imagine <laughs> my favorite no, no castle run because <laughs> oh. of the spice come on yeah yeah so we owe, we owe it all um, to yeah, him, Frank Herbert, for a lot of the shit that we like, yes. you know, and it's because so. just like Tolkien, it was written with such attention to detail and care. And that's why we, it feels like a, something you could believe that happened almost. It's almost like an alternate future history, the way Middle Earth feels like almost a past history. Totally. It's that detailed. And, and the way it's good. written, the book, um, every chapter, there's like a quote from... Princess Irulan, who was like became a historian, writing about these times. Hmm. So it feels, you know, just like Lord of the Rings with all its appendices and songs and all that that add context to the story. Like that's what Dune is, and it feels just as dense as, as something like Lord of the Rings. And that's why I really love it is the world building. So not to harp on that too much, but hmm. yeah, it's one of the biggest. I totally strengths. agree with you, and I love Tremors yeah. too. So thank you, Dune. Like. <laughs> Unironically. Thank you, Dan. Who knew? Yeah. Yeah. But thanks for. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I'll let Jacob go last since he's loving this thing. Uh, yeah, I agree, Mike. Thank you. Thank you for the Dune info. It's uh, It's been a blast. Uh, I watched this, what? This came out at Thanksgiving, I believe, at, at home. Yep. With my brother mm-hmm. and my dad. My brother had just finished reading the book. Nice. And I just remember him going, God. I mean, the lines are right out of the book. He is just quoting this thing directly. You know, it, it really does feel like a, a very loving adaptation. Yeah. yeah. And again, I think it's so interesting to kind of compare the Lynch version. You see the same scenes done very similarly, but at the same time, differently. Worsely. You know, mostly. even Dr. Kynes explaining the still suit and... You know, they see that uh, he ties his oh, shoe. Paul has done it right. He's like, oh, <laughs> have you ever worn this before? You know, what? He, oh. he shall know our ways. How, yeah. how are uh, you doing yeah. this? <laughs> uh, like just, just love it. And yeah. even I, I'd say it's worth normies. Go on. Just Google character to character. See the casting. It, it's wild. Read up who yeah. Everett McGill was and then look at Javier <laughs> Bardem and go, oh, yeah, I can see how that would be the same character. It's, <laughs> it's just a treat. But um, the, the David Lynch version is made by a guy who is relating to the weirdness. He likes that it's a sci-fi book. He likes that it's weird. 
Mm-hmm. Denny Villeneuve, you, you hear him speak very poetically about things uh, in a very French manner, and he was asked point blank, what do you think about the white savior trope in this book? You know, oh, this is just yeah. another one of these stories about a fucking white guy coming into the place and he's the holy one, the chosen one you who fixed the, the, the locals problems. Yeah. Okay. You okay. Know, Iron yeah. fist, uh, all these works of media that were ripped apart for this. Yeah. Yeah. And his answer, which I think was amazing was, I don't see it that way at all. I see it in a romantic way. I see it as the romanticism of a culture. That it's literally like T.S. Lawrence in Lawrence of Arabia, yeah, who totally. is, is coming to a crisis and helping the people in a way where it's not all about him. It's actually all about the country or the planet in, in this instance. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I think that's a fair take. I mean, he does yeah, get basically w- fucking run out of his house, left for dead, and then adopted, like much like Boba Fett, adopted into this culture. And he has a reverence for it. Eventually he, he gains... He has- powers mike yes he does have you but it know feels it is like his the, heart's in the right unquote, place. hero's journey that's exactly what it is he is he is there is nothing where he goes like god these fucking idiot fremen if only they realize that if you do this instead you know we could all get around the worms no it's actually about him sort of excelling at wanting to be part of their their world mm-hmm yeah. yeah. As opposed to like the last samurai version where it's like yes. he will also marry the wife of the man he murdered and yeah, supplant him. It's like, man, fuck you, this samurais. Haven't you heard of right? guns? This is bullshit. Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. That's, well, that's what you're saying too in the, you know, in the book. So obviously he, his concubine is Shawnee, but in the end he marries Princess Arulan for political reasons. Which is in the David Lynch version. Yeah. But they, but Lady Jessica, who was never. Duke Leto's wife, she was his concubine, explains like, and this is like the last line of the book that like, oh, they shall see us as wives because they're like their true lovers. So, oh, I, I love mean, again, that. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. And, History and just will think, see you us know, this book wives, was written yeah. in 1965, a very different era than today. And in many ways, I think it, it was really ahead of its time. I do appreciate in, that speech from David Lynch. Yeah. Two things that I forgot that you just talked about is when he goes over to Chani and he's like, she will never know no touch nor look of warmth, not a single, like, don't worry, girl. That's this is my book. promise yeah. to you. I love that. Totally and then when political. he's crying and the Fremen say he gives his water to the dead and they're like, he's so generous. I'm like, wow. That's, yes. my, that's the fucking dumbest. <laughs> well, I love when the guy spits on the ground. No, I love when the guy spits on the ground in Del Delavanu's version. Like, no, totally, not, totally. Not, hold on. <laughs> well, and, that's, and that's straight from the books. Yeah, I love that. Uh, you know, the Fremen see water oh. as the most precious commodity. So spitting on the ground, offering your gift of water, that's like the most honorable thing you can do. Love it. Uh, and yeah, it mirrors, you know, Duke Leto said, you know, explains like he couldn't marry Lady Jessica because he needs to leave. He needs to stay a bachelor for political reasons so that other houses think they have a chance to marry into House of Treaties. Mm-hmm. So it's all for political reasons. But he was in love with Lady Jessica, obviously. So Paul kind of takes those lessons from his parents in an interesting way. Well, um, like you said, he couldn't play the game, though. It's so interesting that Paul is able to elevate it. Yep. Yeah. So he kind of takes his knowledge from House of Trees, mixes it with the Fremen culture, and becomes Muad'Dib, the Kwisatz Haderach. (laughs) Yeah. Because his mother was Bene Gesserit. Bene Gesserit, who have been, you know, mixing the bloodlines for years and years, trying to basically birth the the chosen one, which again, a lot of similarities with uh, Star Wars. You know, Mm. basically the Bene Gesserit are just an all-female Jedi 
and make an uh, there's a chosen one anakin yeah so wow it's never been a boy before but <laughs> don't have a boy jessica but oh, she do will right and you're, mm. saying, you're like what the fuck is what? this i i just gotta say there's so much to laugh about there's so much i am impressed by just hearing you guys bring up scenes i do get excited i am like god that fucking ruled the second part's gonna rule the only reason i don't like this movie is because it's one half of a story i want the rest of People did not know. When the credits came up, the opening title card, and it says Dune, fade out. Part, Part one, one, fade out. Right. People didn't know that. You know, it, the audience went in not knowing that. Obviously, if we're a little more savvy, we did. But um, even I was kind of blown away by that and, and, and want the whole story. I, I'm excited. Well, again, it's, the, it's yeah, the, the only ending, way. Yeah. It, it you're, it's exactly. wasn't a satisfying It's the only way point, it could yeah. have been made as a movie because, again, you couldn't tell this whole story in one no. movie. That's what David Lynch tried to do, and it didn't work. This movie was two and a half hours, two forty-five minutes long, and it was still only the first half. So, of course, yes. you know it's like you know if you go into Fellowship of the Ring, you're not disappointed because you don't know what's going to happen. Are they going to get the Ring to Mordor yet? Right. But once once Part Two comes out and you can watch them back to back, I think it'll make the first one better. Yeah, you know, I think it'll be added as well. in as long as they stick the landing. Um, and but definitely the second half of the story is way weirder and out there with some, uh, again, St. Aaliyah of the Knife, Paul's sister. Uh, very interested to see how they do that. Uh, so there's some definitely out there concepts in the second half of the book. But I think, you know, if anyone can do it, I think Villeneuve can. Because I just when they announced that he was making Dune, I was so excited because I've loved like every movie I've seen from him. He hasn't made a bad movie. So I was just like, his track record's great. So I totally trust him to make a great second half. Yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, maybe get Ryan Gosling in there, too, to play Sting's character. He can sing. That would be maybe, cool. yeah. <laughs> Gotta get Ryan Gosling, of course. Yeah. Or anyone who's uh, in Blade other, Runner. <laughs> I was going to say, his other beloved uh, co-worker from his film Arrival, Jeremy Renner, would be a great guy. <laughs> Jeremy mm. Renner would be a good Harkonnen, actually. <laughs> yeah, good job, Hawkeye. <laughs> Yeah, Hawk Hawkenin, Hawkenin. There we go. All right. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to part two. I think they should knock it out of the park again. They've done a great job setting it up. It's almost like the first film is just like priming you for even more weirdness. Like at least now you have a palette yes. for what's to come. And they needed to do yeah. that groundwork. And, and they I think it. it is like you know, it's not a complete story. So I definitely understand that criticism. But it leaves you wanting to know what's going to happen next. It kind of, to me, it kind of left off at the right point where it's like he's just meeting the Fremen. He has the knife fight with Jamis, and then you know, now they I go live from with there. the Fremen. We'll see what happens yeah. next. Yeah, yeah, and, and I like say- that they were able to set up so much and spend so much time setting up everything that happens. Right. Well, mm-hmm. as we've done on this podcast, we're going to say Dune Normies Like Us Part 1. Gasp. Oh. <laughs> Jacob's done all this great setup. We know Dune. And when we come back to talk the wrap-up of this film uh, in two years, uh, Normies, get ready. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Can't wait. Yeah. At, at this point, I'm essentially that. just reviewing the world of Dune, and I love it. And we'll see what the HBO version is coming up. But for now, I guess, thanks for listening and coming along on our desert journey with uh, non-rhythmic stepping. Yeah, and Normies, (laughs) if you want to be a Dune completionist, I would say watch the Spice Diver Redux Lynch version, which we can probably throw a a link link in the description. Uh, Check out the sci-fi miniseries. 
check out Yodorowsky's Dune documentary, read the books, and then you'll be a complete Dune head. And of course, do watch that, the Villeneuve version. But unfortunately, we do have to use the voice on you for a second and say, <laughs> rate and review rate this and podcast. subscribe. Yes. Five stars. Five stars. <laughs> Five stars. Uh, you know, that helps us out. Uh, leave a comment. Hit us up at normies underscore like underscore us. Check us out on the YouTube too. Jacob does awesome videos there where you can watch these if you don't just want to listen along. Uh, it's like you're right. out with us. And again, write to us about cool things we're going to do on next episodes. We we might just go in and uh, keep talking Sandy people and do Boba Fett next week. We, we don't yeah. know. You know, uh, write to us and tell us if you want that. So Yeah, exactly. Let us know what you've been we're working. We're the opposite of Anakin. We love sand. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and on it's that rough note, in its course and it's great. <laughs> and it's love it. great to exfoliate. <laughs> Uh, thanks, Normies. Uh, yeah. Really had fun talking about Dune. Loved it. Yeah. Dune heads. With your house. Uh, this is Colin Harkona. And Mike Melange. This is Jacob Atreides, but you may call me Kuab Deeb. Just don't call him late for dinner. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Bye, Normies. Deeb to you, Normies. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> I spit on the ground. (laughs) My name is Gandalf the Grey, and I'm imploring you to leave a like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Don't keep it secret. Don't keep it safe. Don't take me as a conjurer of cheap tricks, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Normies Like Us. Fly, you fools!